All right. Welcome to the first week of the Theology on Tap Summer Series. My name is Patrick Crash, and this is my wife, Rachel. We are thrilled to be here with all of you because we love Theology on Tap. Um, we've been married for about 10 months now, uh, but the first time we met a few years ago was actually at a Theology on Tap event in Indianapolis. So we're big fans. So look around. You know your future spouse might be out there right now. Or just a good friend. You can make a really good friend. Um, before we get started, we have just a few announcements. Um, watch the ground while you're walking. There are some holes. Um, some of them in that area have been marked by spray paint, so just be careful. We've already had just one casualty. So. <laughs> if you need to use the restroom at any point, you can go through the, the door here um, in the back of the cougar den, and the signs will direct you to the restroom. And if you haven't already um, downloaded the app or scanned the QR code, please do so now. That'll give you a link to the discussion questions, and then also that'll uh, provide you with the series prayer that we'll be praying every week when we're out here. St. Teresa of Avila is the patron saint of our series, and she's regarded as the patron saint of renewal, which ties into our series theme, Make All Things New. So right now, we'd like to invite Father Patrick Hake to come forward and lead the prayer. Good evening. I am literally just going to read it. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, we are your people, the sheep of your flock. Heal the sheep who are wounded. Touch the sheep who are in pain. Clean the sheep who are soiled. Warm the lambs who are cold. Help us to know the Father's love through Jesus the shepherd and through his spirit. Help us lift up that love and show it over all this land. Help us to build love on justice and justice on love. Help us to believe mightily, hope joyfully, love divinely. Renew us that we may renew the face of the earth. Amen. St. Teresa of Avila, patron of renewal, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Spirit, Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Father Patrick. You may have noticed that we have some delicious food and beverages um, available tonight. Bar service will run through the evening until 9 o'clock. Soft drinks are $2, beer is 3 to $4, wine is $5, and mixed drinks are 6 to $7. Food is also available for only $6 a plate thanks to a generous donation uh, by the Knights of Columbus. And our series theme was chosen by our young adult planning team who worked together over the past few months to put this all together for you. So. Um, and we've decided that we're going to be focusing on the theme of renewal in the church. And so each week we'll have a different topic based on that. And tonight for our first, um, for our first talk about renewal, we have Deacon Mel Tardy here today with us. And so he's going to be talking about renewal of relationship. And in this talk, he will address the hope and guidance that our faith brings us amidst the polarization, division, and brokenness that we may have experienced in this trying year. And what does the church have to say about disagreements, reconciliation, and forgiveness? So, uh, a little bit about Deacon Mel. Deacon Mel Tardy serves as chair of our diocesan Black Catholic Advisory Board, president of the National Black Catholic Clergy Caucus, and youth minister and RCIA director at St. Augustine Parish in South Bend. 
He earned a bachelor's in studio art and an MBA in international finance from the University of Notre Dame, where he currently serves as academic advisor and chaplain for the first year of studies. Deacon Mel's hobbies include playing trumpet and drawing portraits. He and his wife, Annie, are the proud parents of three grown children. Let's welcome Deacon Mel. So I was just uh, thinking about how the holes in the ground and how we're standing on holy ground. We're sitting on holy ground. Amen. Can you all hear me okay? Go like this if you can hear me. Okay. All right. Can you see me okay? All right. I'll try not to stand behind this thing unless you start throwing things and I, I got a shield. Okay. All right. And um, I thought about uh, how I might want to start and I always want to start with a song. And the only one I could think of is, Lord, um, send out your spirit, you know, re and renew the face of the earth. So how many know that? Have heard that before? And when I start singing it, you'll know it, okay? So, so we're going to sing, and we're just going to kind of get ourselves in the spirit, amen? And we're going to think about the words of that song. And as always, if you can't sing well, this is your opportunity to get God's mercy. Sing super loud. God will feel really sorry for you, and you will be blessed Something maybe in your driveway when you get home even if it's really bad. All right? So we're gonna sing. All right, you with me? Don't let me don't let it be a solo. I'll start though. Lord send out your spirit. Lord send out your spirit. Lord send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. Together? Lord, send out your spirit. Lord, send out your spirit. Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. Amen. All right. Choir rehearsal at St. Augustine's is at 10 a.m. ish. Mass is at 10:30 ish. Emphasis on ish. How many have been to St. Augustine's before? Anybody? Okay, you got to come. You got to come. We usually have food, except the pandemic kind of ruined that, but we usually have food after every single Mass, and we do this kind of a gathering after every Mass, so it's kind of a fun place to be on South, South Bend side. So I know this is Fort Wayne, but over there. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, this is Theology on Tap, and uh, thank you all for being here. Give yourselves a hand. Woo-hoo. We're all here. And the weather cooperated, so weather committee, give yourselves a hand wherever you're at, all right? Um, and um, remember, we're on holy ground, okay? Uh, but the sunshine and everything just reminds us of the, of the warmth of God's face shining upon us. And every time we have the sun shining on us, e even if it's a little bit on a, on a warm side, let's think about God's face always shining on us, even when the clouds are up, even when their clouds are, are blocking uh, the view God is still up there. Amen. God is still up there. God is always with us. And this actually, uh, this theology on tap, um, I don't think it was something that was invented in this diocese. Um, I don't think it was something that was invented in this country. I don't think it was something that was invented in our generation even. I think it was invented about 2,000 years ago. 
You see, Jesus was thirsty, and he decided that he wanted to get a drink. So he decided to go to Samaria to have a drink with a Samaritan woman. And, you know, most of the times people would think about the, uh, the reputation of Samaritans. You see, Jesus, of course, was a Jew, and the Samaritans and the Jews got along like oil and water. In fact, most of the time, people would sort of walk around Samaria. The Jews would walk around Samaria if they were heading to Jerusalem from Galilee. If they were trying to get there, they didn't go through Samaria. And the Samaritans would not mingle with the Jews. But Jesus, for some reason, decided that of all places that he wanted to get a drink, it was going to be in Samaria. And his disciples were with him, and then... Uh, he, uh, he sent them off to get some food, and he went by Jacob's well. And it was a nice hot day, just like this, with the sun beating down. It was around noon, and he sat down at Jacob's well because he was tired from the journey. You all probably have heard this story. You know what comes next. Then a woman, a Samaritan woman, shows up to draw water. She's having a drink. Theology on tap, amen? It wasn't the same kind of beverage, I don't think. But she was there, and... And so Jesus sees her and says, give me a drink. And she looks at him and says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And he said, if you knew the gift and the one who is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink. And he would have given you what? Living water. And she uh, continues to talk about how, uh, how he uh, would not be somebody that would interact with, 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 with her because she's a Samaritan woman. And they have a nice little dialogue, just kind of like where we're about to have, a little dialogue over a drink, okay? And then uh, Jesus tells her that, um, why don't you go call your husband? And she says, well, uh, I don't have a husband. He says, well, actually, you're correct in saying that because you've had, ding, 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 five husbands. And the one that you're with is not actually your husband. So Jesus just put it out there, Okay. Now, today, you know, maybe it would have been tweeted. Uh, Jesus would have tweeted and said, Jesus, how could you do that? But there was nobody around but the two of them. So that was good. She said, I see you're a prophet. She said, you Jews, you say you need to worship in Jerusalem, but we worship on this holy mountain. And Jesus continues to talk to her, a little bit of theology as he's, you know, waiting for the drink. And, uh, you, you know, that the time is coming and indeed is now here when you will worship not on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in spirit and truth. God is spirit, and he wants his worshipers to worship in spirit and truth. And she says, well, uh, the, the Messiah, when he comes, he'll let us know all these different things. And Jesus says, the one speaking to you, I am he. And just then his disciples return, and they are surprised to find him speaking with a woman. Because back then, not only was it out of bounds for Jesus to be talking to a Samaritan, but to be a, a man speaking to a woman alone, especially somebody who's got this reputation because she's had five husbands. and she, That's why she's there in the middle of the day, by the way, because she goes out at noon. Everybody else goes out and gets water in the morning. She goes out at noon. Why? Because her relationships are broken. 
All throughout this passage in the Gospel of John, Jesus is having this conversation with this woman. He goes to Samaria to have this drink. It's because he knew she would be there. It wasn't an accident on his part. She didn't know. But Jesus knew she was going to be there, and Jesus was looking at her and understanding all the trauma and the difficulties in her life. This woman couldn't even associate with people because of the way they talked about her relationships. So she was in need of renewal. Amen? She was in need of, Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. Jesus was doing that then. He says, I'm going to offer the opportunity to renew this relationship. And so... When everybody comes back, the disciples, they see him talking with her, and, and then she goes into town. She leaves her jug that she was going to take the water with. She never actually got a drink, neither did Jesus, actually, so he must have still been thirsty. Um, she goes back and says, come see a man who's told me everything there is to know about me. Maybe he could be the Messiah. And so she was actually among the first to say that Jesus may be the Messiah. The first witness of that. And they all come out. For some reason, they believe this woman. They all come out. He talks to them and, and encourage them to stay for another two days. And then they said, we don't believe just because of your testimony. We believe because we've heard it for ourselves. And so Jesus renewed that relationship between the woman and the town of Samaria. Because he decided to go to the original theology on tap and share a little theology with this woman. Amen. So you're with me? Okay. So we're talking about renewal of relationships, right? Today in 2021, a couple of millennia after Jesus renewed that relationship, we stand in need of renewal. Amen. It's okay to say amen, by the way. I, I'm, it's not like I'm just saying it like a hiccup. It's like a amen. amen. All right, there we go. All right. That's my guy right there. All right, amen. You're on holy ground. <laughs> we stand in need of renewal because we live in a day and age where we consider ourselves a very um, advanced civilization. I mean, we are the United States of America. We just had a birthday. Okay, we can give a hand clap for that. We just had... Was it 245? I can't remember. 225? 1976. What would that be? Who's good at math? How old are we? Anybody? I just want to see if you're alive or not. What is it? 245. All right. Thank you. Long distance. Okay. Thank you, Father Patrick. And we consider ourselves in that 245 years to be the, 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 the nation that is at the top of all other nations. We're the greatest nation in the world. And yet we're in need of renewal of relationships. We are also the nation that has the, the highest level of gun usage, the highest level of incarceration, the highest uh, level of um, violent crimes. We have... Um, uh, people who are uh, addicted to various substances as they are trying to deal with the, the difficulties in their life. 
we have a lot of relationships that are in difficult situations in terms of marriage. The number of marriages is not going up, it's going down. So our relationships are fairly similar to that Samaritan woman, if you kind of look at, not that everyone here has been married five times, um, but our relationships are not the norm. And we may think that it's normal, and that there is indeed a need for renewal. Because if we look at everything, we say, well, this is normal. It's not normal, folks. It's not even normal in the world. So how can we claim to be the most advanced civilization when we have these situations coming up? And some of them, you know, we, we've seen in the media, um, we, we, we know that some of our relationships are, are, are difficult because we have poverty. And the way that people might view those who are impoverished. Sometimes the relationships are difficult because the pandemic made them difficult. We had this, we, we, we have this pandemic, we're almost out of the woods, even as we stand amongst the woods. We're almost out of the woods. And that's good news. But think about the past year and a half of how our relationships, our relationships were really um, tested. Having to hunker down at home, many of us, and, and, and you, it could have been uh, I don't know which was more traumatic, to be at home alone or to be at home with the whole family. Especially when you're a mom and a dad and you got all those little ones and they're, they're having to do all their classes and it's like, okay, who's going to use the computer and who's is working and, and who's got a signal and okay, now I know, I, dad's got to work now, got to work now and now you're not going to be quiet, are you? So I mean, it's, so those sort of things were difficult but of course, the, 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 the virus itself was very difficult. And, and, and some of us have had family members and some of us ourselves may have been touched by the virus. And not being able to go to church for renewal. I think sometimes we took for granted the opportunity to go to Mass, have the Eucharist, see some of our friends to get the good word and, uh, from the homily and, and all the other opportunities that are there, youth ministry, all those other things. We took those things for granted. And then they weren't there. See, when we had 9-11, we had uh, a difficult situation. What's the first thing a lot of people did? The church attendance went up. There's something difficult happening. Let's go to church. There's a pandemic. Let's not go to church. In my parish, St. Augustine's, where it's just now starting to get people back. I think we got about, maybe about a half. But we're still not doing our aftermath meal that we have. It's supposed to be snacks, but we kind of overdo it. Then it was the thing that happened last summer with Mr. Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and Brianna Taylor and a number of other folks. Something that has been going on not just since last summer, but has been going on since the beginning of our nation. And that is this unfortunate divide between people because of race. Racism. Racism has been around since the, the foundation of our nation because of slavery, because of the desire for cheap labor, and the desire once that labor was no longer legal to make it legal through Jim Crow, through 
other means through, uh, then the civil rights movement came and Martin Luther King and others saying we need to stand up and fight for justice. Our lives matter. And everyone said, okay, 1960s, everything is good. No more racism. So why in the world did we have last summer? And all these people are going around having demonstrations and saying things that people hadn't heard before, like Black Lives Matter. And then people say, well, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. And there was this polarization that shouldn't have actually even been there because we are one human family and we shouldn't have had to even need to say that any lives matter. By the way, when people have, when they talk about poverty and they say, you know, poor lives matter, people don't say, well, you know, rich lives matter too. When people say, well, you know, people are sick, and they say, well, you know, healthy lives matter too. Why do you keep doing all these ads for, for healthy this and that and nutritional living? But see, race makes it different. Jesus shows us a different way for renewal. He goes to Samaria where he knows that the relationships based on the difference is that you avoid these people. In fact, you know, these people are, are bad folks. You know, just don't associate with them. Jesus says, I'm going to Samaria. I'm going to have a drink with a woman with a bad reputation. But Jesus did it because he loved that woman. And he wanted to renew the relationship. And how other people perceive her. And how we through history have perceived her. There's another passage that I, I think about besides the one with the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Because I, I think I'm talking to a bunch of young folks here, young adults. There was a passage, uh, I believe it was in the Gospel of Matthew, it may have been in several passages, Mark as well, maybe Luke, about a young man who came to Jesus and he wanted to talk to him about, um, teacher, what must I do, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the, this, you know the, the commandments. You should, uh, you know, uh, don't commit adultery, should not murder, should not steal, and love your neighbor as yourself. So this guy says, well, you know, I've, I've kept all those since birth, since I was, since I was little. Is there anything else? Because he's got it all sewed up. You know, Jesus, uh, yeah, you're going around saying all this stuff, Jesus, but I'm a young man who's got it together. And Jesus says, there's one thing you lack. Take everything that you own, sell it, and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then take up your cross and follow me. See, Jesus is about renewal. He's, he's trying to mend the relationships. He's about renewal. He's trying to mend the relationships, fix the relationships. This man thought he had it all together. He thinks that his relationship with others is fine, but he doesn't realize that he's leaving out folks that are invisible to him, people he can't see. And this is 
these are some of the things that Jesus points out to us. We live in a world where we are, our fallen nature blinds us to things that should be visible. We don't see the homeless. Why? Because we create homeless centers and we can just drive in another direction. We don't have to go past them as Jesus talked about uh, going, talked about Lazarus in the rich man's home, a different rich man, that why is this man outside and everybody's in here feasting? We don't see them. Racism is another thing that blinds us. The reason that racism is, is evil, the church, the Catholic church teaches that racism is a sin. Not just any sin, not just one of many sins, but a radical, intrinsic evil. A radical, intrinsic evil. Intrinsic means that it's always wrong. There is never a reason why we should view that one person's race makes them superior to another because of race. There is no reason why, by the same token, we should view that because we were born or we worked hard and we have uh, a nice home and nice things, material wealth, that we are better than those who unfortunately may not have those opportunities. Whether it was through things that are systemic in our society or through their own decisions. See, sometimes they say, well, you know what, they, they chose that life. That makes it, so, so they, they've chosen that life to, to, to be poor. They, they could have gone to college like I did. They could have got a job. They can just get a job. You should see all the people that we're working with at St. Augustine's. We're just trying to get them their, their, um, their COVID relief. Well, I don't have an ID. I don't, I don't, have, um, I don't have this, or if I, if I do, it's, it's, it's going to go to this thing or that thing. I don't have a computer. I don't have this. How difficult it is when someone who is, doesn't have anything to get something that they, have, they should be able to get because they don't have anything. They're locked out. But see, this is what racism does. Racism, it blinds us to the, to the, uh, the image of God in other people because of race. And the dignity that they should be afforded, not because of anything that they have done or not done, but because they are children of God. God shines in their soul just as much as the science shines in anyone else's soul. But sometimes we have to help them understand who they are and whose they are by witnessing the gospel to them as Jesus did to the Samaritan woman as he's doing to this young rich man. You don't see them. It doesn't make you better because you can't see them. So as we are talking about renewal, we need to think about how does the church help us with this? The church, through Jesus, because it's his church, teaches us that we should have relationships with each and every person. And, and, and that we need to renew those relationships in order for us to be the person we need to be, they need to be the person that they ought to be. And we are not who we are. Martin Luther King said this quite often. I can't be who I am meant to be until you are who you are meant to be. Until we see each other as brothers and sisters, 
until we see each other with dignity and respect, we can't start, start talking about heaven, folks, because we have material wealth, because we go to church on Sunday, because we go serve the poor. But our relationships are broken. It's okay to save, serve the poor. It's okay to serve those who are different as long as they don't have aspirations to actually sit at the table with us. But Jesus says, let's have some table fellowship. So imagine theology on tap. And Im imagine some of these empty seats and who really could use a good meal right now and how we might get them to the table. That would be the miracle. That would be the miracle of the gospel. I think about how we say these things. And I just got two more things I want to point out. One is, how did we get here? And then number two, how do we resolve this? Number one, how did we get here? There was a, a couple named Adam and Eve. Can I stop there? Uh, you know the rest of the story? Adam and Eve, I know you know the rest of the story, but I got to say a little bit. Okay, it's theology on tap, right? We're on holy ground. Amen. When they were created by God, they were in this state of original justice, original, they had original grace. They, they didn't have sin. They didn't have any other way of looking at each other except through the same way that God looked at them. So they didn't have uh, uh, lust. They didn't have uh, a jealousy. They didn't have anger. They didn't feel like, oh, Adam, because I'm a man, I'm, I'm the strong one. We always talk about that. Um, the strong one is the man in a relationship, and, and the woman is this dainty one that comes up behind. Hi, Annie. It's my wife. This is how I get in trouble on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, in case anybody didn't know, deacons are married usually, can, can be married. So, um, But Adam and Eve, until they disobeyed God, God said, you know, don't eat of this tree. And of course, the serpent says, did God really say that you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? Because Satan, of course, knows scripture better than we do. He knows the word of God so that he can twist the word of God. So we have to be discerning with that. So Eve, knowing the word of God, says, oh, no, he, God didn't say that we can't eat of any. He just said that one. He said, oh, yeah, if you eat from that one, you'll be like God, and that's why God doesn't want you to do that. So Eve looks at the, at the, at the tree and looks at the fruit and sees it's pleasing to the eye and says, ah. So she takes it and she eats it. And she says, here, Adam. And like a good husband, he does what his wife says. And he eats it too. Too bad. And what happens immediately, they start shame. And they, and, they, and, they, and they cover themselves in shame because all of a sudden, lust has come into the picture that wasn't there before. And then God is walking amongst them saying, Adam, where are you? Oh, I, I'm here. I'm hiding. Well, why are you hiding? Oh, because I'm naked? Who told you you were naked? Have you been eating from the tree I told you not to eat? She made me eat it. 
pointing to the wife. So all of a sudden, we have this relationship issue where I'm blaming you for what I did. Shame on you, Adam, because you had a choice. Don't blame the woman. Don't blame Eve. Eve says, the serpent made me do it. And but what happens is that there's rupture now because of sin being introduced into the world. And the rupture means that the relationship between men and women has never been the same. It says in Scripture that the woman's desire shall be for her man, but the man will lord it over her. I'm the man of the house. It's my way or else. That's what that came from. That's why we're having difficulty even today. The relationship with the, with, with, the, uh, with the creation itself. Adam used to love to go and till the soil. But now God says, because you have done this, it will be through labor. It will be work. You're not going to like doing it. So all of a sudden, things that he, he loved to do, now he doesn't love doing it. And, and ever since, you know, we've been working and like, oh, no, I got to work. Oh. Go on to work. There you go. The relationship with God, that they're hiding from God. And ultimately, the relationship between the body and the soul is ruptured. This is all from John Paul II, St. John Paul II, and Theology of the Body, by the way, in case you haven't come across that. The relationship with the body is ruptured. So what happens when the spirit and the body, the relationship is ruptured, separated? That's called death. All these things were sown in that original relationship because they did, because they disobeyed God. And God, I always think of it as God saying, look, don't do this. You know, like a parent says, uh, don't touch the iron because if you touch the iron, you're going to get burned. It's not like you touch the iron and then they take a match or a blowtorch. Like, I'm going to get you. So God said, don't do that because all these things are going to happen. They did it and said, well, man, I was trying to save you from all that and all your children and all these generations. But let me see if we can fix it. Because he said, on the day that you eat this, you will die. They didn't die. Not yet. Because God loved them too much. And God, even from the beginning, was trying to renew the relationships. But he gave us this gift called free will. And we have the opportunity to decide ourselves if we are willing to be saved, to have uh, salvation from God, or we are willing to just do our own thing. And Jesus came in the flesh just to help us just a little bit more, but also by sacrificing himself that we may have this new door to grace through the sacraments, through the church that he was going to institute. So how did it happen? It happened at the beginning with the rupture of the relationships. What can we do now? I'm of the belief, because I've been around for a while, I've been at this for a while. Folks, we don't have what it takes to renew the relationships. We don't have what it takes to renew the relationships on our own. God has to do it. Jesus came because Jesus knew that Samaritan woman was not going to get right unless he paid her a visit. 
Jesus knew that our ancestors were not going to get it right unless he paid them a visit. And Jesus knew that if they didn't get the gospel right and pass it on to us in 2021, we would not understand that we don't have the grace to do it. Why is it that in 2021 we have mass incarceration, people on, on, on drugs, addictions? Why do we have uh, marriages in, in, in disarray? Why do we have uh, people polarized because of political ideology? Why do we have all these things? Because we have forgotten that God has to do it. Only God can do it because we're fallen. God can work through us, but until we open our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit in, we don't have the grace to do it. We don't have the strength to do it. We don't have the will to do it. We don't even think it's necessary because we're the most advanced civilization on earth. Lord, send out your spirit at Pentecost to establish your church throughout the world and to provide opportunities of grace through encounters with you that we can learn who we are and whose we are and humble ourselves and forget this pride that makes us think we're better than others. Understand we're just as broken, just as broken as that person that I passed on the street. I just have more things, like that rich young man. And we can we get rid of those things and take up our cross and follow Jesus. We can renew the face of the earth. It can start with us. It can start with us here on this holy ground. Amen? Amen. Amen. How about another round of applause for Deacon Mel, everybody? And for, for those of you who have uh, used the QR code, we've got some discussion questions uh, that you can go through. So if you're not sitting at a table with a big group of people, feel free to intermingle and meet some new people tonight as well. And, you know, let the questions direct your discussion, but also if something really stood out to you in the talk at all, then be sure to bring that up amongst your group as well, too. So take the next 20, 30 minutes or so to discuss that amongst yourselves and see what you come up with as well. The Q&A portion of our evening. So I'm going to invite Deacon Mel back up to the stage. If you have a question that you would like to ask him, please come up to this microphone over here um, and ask your question, and he will do his best to answer it. Um, this is also a last call for drinks. The bar will close at 9, so make sh be sure that you get a drink before then if you want one. Hello. <laughs> yes, ma'am.
Um, is there a saint or any any public figure with writings who you think uh, mixes really well, like the devotion of Catholicism and sincere charity uh, and like political justice without without becoming just like using the church as ends as means to political end. Do you see anyone who you see as a good example of that? So you all heard the question? Yeah. I mean, I right away thought about Pope Francis. I mean, I know um, his writings about um, joy and love. And um, and I think even um, um, Pope Benedict, when he talked about uh, truth and love, um, I think that those are some good examples that, that I've, I've referred to. Uh, certainly, uh, there's a lot of a lot of folks who I probably, if I thought about it a little longer, I could think of some. Um, one of my real go-tos, as far as a saint, is uh, Mother Teresa, um, Saint Mother Teresa, uh, because she was so good about not really getting into the political and just talking about the pr the people and the needs of the people. She didn't care about any accolades. She didn't care about um, what anybody thought. She was saying her main thing was. There are people who are being overlooked in our society. What can I do? Um, and and then other people joined her. So I, I think that's a great example, also. And there there are others. If, does anybody else have any other suggestions? <laughs> Father Tolton, thank you. Actually, I thought about him initially, so you reminded me. Uh, Father Augustus Tolton, Venerable Father Augustus Tolton. Um, he was the uh, first recognizably African-American priest ordained for America. He had to go to Rome to be ordained because none of the seminaries in America would take him. Um, he had a, a German priest, German-born priest, and an Irish-born priest who were really um, supporters of his and kept pushing him and getting him people to teach him these things so that he might be ready to if he was able to actually become a priest. And everything he did wound up bringing people together. So. Um, uh, when he was in uh, Quincy, uh, his parish was, uh, uh, you know, he was he was told that he had to have an, uh, just serve African Americans, but uh, a lot of white folks came because they liked the way he sang and he liked his spirit and all these other things. Um, so he did it too well, and some of them chased him out. Of, some of the other priests, unfortunately, chased him out of town. So he went to Chicago, and same thing happened: is that he was said you you're going to serve the African Americans, but he wound up getting a diverse church, St. Monica's. And that's one of the reasons his cause for canonization is is up right now. So he uh, he saw people. Uh, it didn't matter to him race, and it didn't matter to him politics. Good question to start us off. Father. Uh, it's holy ground. I'm trying to tell you that. God is good. Still walking. <laughs> so in our small group, we talked about relationships, relationships that are broken, but it seems like the brokenness is all on the other person, that they aren't mentally stable, that they're a narcissist, that you can't really deal with them without them drawing you into all their problems. So how do you recommend healing these relationships that are broken, where it seems like you're doing, when it, when, it seems, when it seems like you're doing everything you can do, the other person just does not want to change? That's an excellent question. Um, you know, this this is something that hits me in some of my ministry and some of my family life too. Um, 
where you know you love somebody and you 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 want to see them get better or you want to see that situation get better i go back to um i think what i ended with which is sometimes um well two things one we have to recognize that even though we can't see it we are broken as well so our own brokenness if we can if we can get to the point where we humble ourselves and recognize the brokenness within us that brokenness or that weakness you know that Paul talked about last Sunday if you were at church Sunday which I'm sure everybody was um, uh, but um, when I'm weak then I am strong when when we recognize that it is not by our own strength that we are able to help them but it is by the our willingness to allow God to work through us we get in a way of God so we so we so we uh, we might say okay I don't know how to help this person but what we need to do is say okay I'm gonna get out of the way and I'm gonna I'm gonna allow God to work through me God let your will be done that's our prayer let your will be done um I really like with uh speaking of saints um oh divine mercy thank you Faustina Saint Faustina uh, Lord, let me be completely transformed into your mercy um, that it may pass into my, into my heart and flow out to others. Something along those, those lines. And I just thought that was such a wonderful prayer that she had that it's not me. It's God's mercy coming through me. I just need to humble my, myself and open my heart to it. So, I w- so that's what I think of and that's what served me sometimes that you know, we have to love our way through it. Uh, and 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 recognize our own brokenness, and that should give us some hope, because if we really think about it, there have been times when we wondered how we were going to get through something, and God worked it out maybe through somebody else. Um, but um, that's that's how I would respond to that. I don't know if that helps or not. Uh, someone said that sometimes sometimes the best the best way to love someone is to love them from afar. Do you agree with that quote? Isn't that the complaint we have with God sometimes, that, you know, God is just distant? How come God can't be closer? So I think that we answer our own question if that's what we think. How come God can't be closer? So um, uh, one of my uh, favorite um, people is uh, Brian Stevenson. He, uh, he wrote a book called Just Mercy. And um, he uh, was an African-American uh, a lawyer who uh, dedicated his life to working with those who were in death row. Um, a lot of them were African-American, but not all of them. Um, and, uh, and folks who f- he felt that maybe they were not getting a fair, fair justice in the, uh, in the uh, criminal justice system. And uh, so one of the things he talks about how his whole approach changed to how he was a person, how, uh, what kind of person he was and, and what kind of lawyer he was by um, some simple things that he would live by. One of them is be proximate. That if you are, if you get close to the people who you are serving, if you get close to those who are suffering, then you are more likely to be able to help them. It's kind of like this idea that we want our, our pastors to smell like the sheep, us you know, being a sheep, uh, when our pastors are really good administrators, um, but they don't smell like the sheep, then we wonder, okay, where is the church in our time of need sometimes? So I, I think that, that we, we, if we can, we, it's again, this is loving our way through. It doesn't mean every situation. We always want to be healthy, too. We, we want to pr- protect ourselves. It doesn't mean that, that, that we do a- anything and everything. But we do what we can. Um, and um, the more that we open ourselves to God 
walking with us in this journey, the more that God will be able to use us. We're only limited by our reluctance to let God in. So I think getting proximate is what I would recommend, but it's not always the case and it's not always the healthiest situation for everybody. So the first question was, what relationships are broken and in need of renewal in your life and in your community? And I think our table was in agreement that some of the most broken and difficult relationships are those within our own family, um, especially regarding some of these divisive topics that we see present in our society. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are the most proximate people to us, but yet sometimes they're the hardest relationships to find unity in. Um, what advice do you have for a person who maybe struggles with unity in their own family and um, regarding some of these difficult topics you brought up about like racism and, and things like this? Um, like how do you how do you uh, approach those kinds of topics when um, there are people who just plainly have it wrong mm-hmm. um, and and how to how to be, proximate to them when it's difficult when they're your family members yeah i actually had a a, an interesting conversation with a young man um who was one of my advisees as i'm a i'm a first year advisor at the university of notre dame so and this was this was exactly the conversation is that he dreaded going home sometimes because he said well you know i i have a different ideological perspective regarding uh some of the know political things that were going on this was during the election um during the elections uh last fall and he just was getting significant anxiety just thinking about it just going home okay and i think there were a lot of families like that you know and and it's not just that one issue but there are other issues um you know it could be uh um could be a number of things So my suggestion to him was, after the election, you still have your family. So you you want to try and find some things that you all can talk about and have in common outside of this. This is not the entirety of your relationship. So I think that sometimes we have to be able to do that in our own families and say, okay, there have to be there should be some other things that we have in common that we can come together on. And maybe we should not have those conversations that are as divisive as they are. Whether or not we agree with them or not may not be the most significant thing. Is it my role to convert them to my ideological perspective? Probably not. Okay, and probably uh, they would never, you know, it's just like we keep on pulling apart from each other instead of coming together. Uh, I've had that with some of my own family members. We have to find those things that, that um that bring us together and those things that bring us joy and, and be able to be family first. And then that opens the doors to some of those other conversations. Um, that's something that, that has had to work for me with some of my uh, close family members on some of these very issues. Um, that was the advice I gave to that young man and he actually took that and he, he thanked me. He said that it worked for him. So that would be what my recommendation. Um, I know it's not always possible, but um, in in all these situations, we have to try and find common ground. And it's not just with family members; it's, it's with folks who um, we go to school with. It's it's with people that um, you know we may go we may, we may know that politically 
they're very different. Um, but yet God died on the cross for that same person, regardless of those beliefs. And died, God died on the cross for, for us. And, and, and so if God can see something that is worth, worthy of dying for, we ought to be able to find something to live for. We ought to be able to find something in common. So to follow up with that question, is it right to remain silent at times on issues and topics of God's mercy and social justice when they're going to, to lead to division because the people you're dialoguing with have a different view than you? Yeah. Um, so then we're getting into possibly like if we th if we think that somebody is wrong, if like like what they're doing could be harmful to someone. It could be harmful to them. Uh, you know, if it comes through in policy or decisions, um, I think that if we can express what we believe with love, not that we're just trying to be right, not that we're trying to just r logically, rationally be better in the dialogue than they are, but that we, we try our best to express the, the love, then they are more willing. So they have to be willing to hear it. It's, it's, we might feel good if we say something and then we, we walk away. So there, I told them. But the goal is communication. And so we, so love is always part of the equation, I guess. Uh, but there are times when we do have to say, and this is parents and children too, about I had to tell, tell my children things that they didn't want to hear. I felt they were wrong and I let them know. They stormed out, whatever, and um, I let it slide because <laughs> they got to come home, right? Um, but, you know, sometimes we are in that role where we're the one who has to say that this is wrong and, and this might be another way to approach it. We just have to figure out how to do it with love. So that's the key. I, if we do it with anger and hatred, they're not going to hear us. So what's the point? So if we can do it with love, do it. And that love may mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're, you know, smiling while we're telling them they're living wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, and, but if we do it with love, I if they accept it, then fine. If they don't, we have to be okay with that too. We have, we have to be okay with that. But we've, we've done our role. Sorry, I'm being attacked by something. I don't know what it is. They just see this and they say, hey, pay dirt. You know, so they're just coming after me. Good questions. These are all good questions. This is why we need God, right? Because we don't know the answer. Other thoughts? You know, um, a few weeks ago, I um, can't remember why, but I was preaching about the most... Uh, Deadly war in, in, in the history of America. You know which war it was? The Civil War. Families fighting against families. Brothers fighting, literally fighting against brothers. Uh, neighbors fighting against neighbors. Neighboring states fighting against neighboring states. You know, this, this, this is where um, 
when we when we when we really back up and look at big picture and we realize that we're we have spiritual warfare taking place and so how does satan do what he does by using those who are closest to folks to create havoc in their lives attacking them so that that you know we we know how to hurt each other it's just like in, in, in like a marriage you know how to hurt each other we know how to hurt each other my wife and i better than anybody else i mean there's no like i'm gonna go around here i'm gonna, I'm gonna go boom okay know how to do it and sometimes when we're not prayed up and we don't realize you know how much we love each other we can hurt each other really bad really fast But that's part of the game, and, and we and we need to recognize what's happening, and then in a marriage, turn to the third person in the sacrament, Amen, which is Jesus. That's a good thing about, and if you have the opportunity for a sacramental marriage, then you have, you can always turn to Christ, which is part of the sacrament. There's always an encounter with Christ there, so it's not two people who are getting married, but it's two people in Christ. You can always turn to the third person because the third person is always stronger than the other two. And we've leaned on the third person a lot. And we've celebrated with the third person a lot. So, um, yeah. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Can't say that. Speak now or peace be with you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all, um, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. You all have been great, and um, you know, I hope that the Lord uh, blesses each and every one of the uh, theology on tap activities. Um, I don't have anything to compare this to, but it, I hope this is considered a really successful event because it looks like a good turnout. And um, but thank you again for your questions. I'll st I'll stick around if you want to ask anything else, um, and I will turn it over to. These good folks here. Thank you, Deacon Mel. Um, I really appreciated it when he reminded us that when you're looking for renewal in any type of relationship, love is and always should be part of the equation. Um, and in any relationship, you can always lean on Jesus. Um, so definitely taking that away tonight. Um, as we wrap up night one of our summer series, we have a lot of thank yous. Um, so first, of course, we want to thank Deacon Mel for being here tonight um, and for bringing your lovely wife. So thank you for spending time with us this evening. <clears throat> thank you to the University of St. Francis um, for this space. And a big thank you to Alec DeVries, who secured a lot of the details for us, um, to Licensed Bar Service for the bar tonight and creative dining for the delicious food. We wanna thank the Diocese of Fort Wayne South Bend and the Theology on Tap Planning Committee um, for everything tonight and for all of you for coming out and um, engaging in great conversation. Lastly, we wanna thank the Knights of Columbus Insurance um, and we wanna invite up Paul Barker briefly to, um, to speak for a moment. So Knights of Columbus Insurance um, sponsored this event. Hi, I'm not Paul Barker. Uh, I'm not Paul Baker either. 
I'm Tony Moore, um, and we kind of we kind of had this planned out. Uh, Stacy, sorry for the for the impromptu. Deacon Mel, was it Annie? Annie, thank you for coming. Awesome talk. Thank you very much for helping to make this. So one of the relationships that we didn't talk about is the relationship that me and my partner help every day. And we talked about a destroyed relationship of matrimony and some of the communication um, things that we struggle with in our relationships. One of those relationships is what is the relationship like between you and the money you make? How do you master the dollar so the, the dollar doesn't master you? In our practice, we see a lot where everything, 99% of the time, everything we do is about how much money are we going to make today, how is it going to serve us, and then what? So what we, and you guys are in a special position, young adults, we're in a special position, we're at a tipping point of our financial lives, right? We're starting families, we're, we're graduating college, maybe we're in college, worried about debt, leveraging our future, that's a big issue. Cash flow, what do we do about cash flow? 50% of the reason people get divorced is because of money, not because they don't have it, because they don't know what's going on with it, and they're not on the same page. So, I, as, I'm, as I'm sitting here and listening to all these different relationships, number one, we need to be educated about money. Because we, it's a tool. It's just a tool to do other things. How do we best serve the community? How do we best raise people out of poverty that are working their tails off, but they're not seeing any differences? How do we best use the benefits that are given to us? I mean, if we think about what's going to happen with a family this month, with a fresh income, how do we best use that? What, what does that mean for us? How does that affect our future? Do we put it towards debt, put it towards the future? There's so many questions. So um, in that vein, what we're going to do at the end of this series, um, the third week of August, we are looking to do a, a, a financial education night. And it's going to be much like this. It's going to be very chill. It's going to be Socratic, so bring your questions. Because it doesn't matter what I think, it matters what you think, and it matters, it matters that we add up what you're doing to your goals. And sometimes those don't add up. So there is a sign-up sheet on that front table. As you're leaving tonight, if you're interested, we will keep you posted on, we haven't nailed down the times for the venue and the food and everything, because we're going to feed you. We're going to give you everything that you need. But if you're interested, phone number, email, either or, best best way to contact you it doesn't really matter but uh, sign up back there we will keep you posted and we're gonna host one or two series seminar on just financial education and then if you're going to do that your homework is bring your questions bring your concerns and in the vein of uh, bringing Christ into the financial picture we pride ourselves on that in humility so I don't know if that makes sense but um, we try to bring Christ in this situation. Master the tools that God has given you in stewardship so you can best affect the world. So that's, that's my plug tonight. By the way, our program's awesome. Um, so if, there, if you want to sign up, go ahead, put your information back there. We'll have the sign-up sheet every week. So if you're interested, um, a lot of things to consider. So that's, again, thank you all for coming. You guys are the best. So Deacon Mel and Annie, thank you very much. Safe trip home. And thanks for letting me talk.
right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed the evening. Um, we'll be back here same time next week. And uh, we're going to be hearing from Molly Roman, who will be discussing Renewal of Vision next week. So hope to see all of you out and maybe some more people. Bring some friends along. I think that's part of what we learned tonight um, uh, next week. And we'll have a great time again. See you then. <laughs>